Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. I'm PFC Anna Grace Cato. And we are back at you with another podcast. We've been doing pretty good uh, staying consistent with these recently. Um, So we have a guest with us today. Then uh, we're going to have her introduce herself and then we're going to kind of talk about her military history and why she joined the Guard. So ma'am, if you would like to introduce yourself to everybody. Hello everyone. I'm Warren Officer Shaniqua Pendergrass. I am a 922 Alpha food service technician, and I've been in the Guard since November 2008, so going on 14, 15 years right now. Wow. It's crazy to think, like, when you say 2008, it doesn't seem that long (laughs) ago, but then when you do the math, it's like, oh my gosh, that was, like, forever ago. (laughs) A few more years, and I'm at my 20-year letter, so. That's awesome. So um, I kind of want to just start with um, why you joined the Guard, um, and if you have any kind of family history that kind of helped or made you want to pursue that, or like what what was the reasoning for you joining the Guard? So of course I joined in high school my senior year, and my senior year, Siren First Class, Horace Miller, my recruiter, he came to our school, um, Eau Claire High School, and uh, he talked to a bunch of us. We had already taken the ASVAB, and he was just out there trying to get recruits. And he said $20,000, and (laughs) at 17 years old, $20,000 was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to get my dad to sign for me because I was only 17. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember when we were picking MOSs, he was like, the only one I'm assigned for is if you're going to be a cook because <laughs> everybody got to eat. And so, yeah. So you and so was it more of the bonus aspect of it or did you always want to serve in some kind of way? So I actually didn't like I had no idea that what 2008 or 15 years ago I would be sitting here where I am today. Um I have no military family. I'm literally the first one to join the military in my family. Um, it's a, I'm glad I made the decision, but at the time, I just, it was a <laughs> It was money. an impulse? <laughs> yes. It was like, let's try it. Yeah. And I definitely no, relate to that. <laughs> yeah, and nobody knew what was going to happen. So when I went to basic, I, I didn't know what I was getting my, myself into, but mm-hmm. just winged it. So how was that being the first in your family to join? Because like, I'm kind of in the same situation. Like, both of my grandparents, my grandfather served, um, but they served, like, one term. One was Air Force, one was Army. So, like, no one in my family grew up in the military culture. So I was, like, the first one who enlisted. I'm the only girl of three brothers. So, like, it was a it was a shock. Like, they're very supportive and stuff. But, like, how was it whenever you did make that decision and now being almost 15 years in, like, how has that been with your family and the support? It's um, it's a journey because, like, not a lot of people understand the mm-hmm. National Guard and how we do things. All they know is we drill once a month and two weeks out the summer. That's literally all they think I do. Um, <laughs> so, but it's it's a lot of explaining, mm-hmm. like, my just explain to my children because they, they don't have, you know. So, just explain to them, I'm going to drill, I'm not going to work. And then, like, my husband, oh, he's like... The, some of the things we do is like mm-hmm. crazy, like just it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. I mean, being in the guard allows you um, 
a little bit more freedom than active duty, but it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we still are required to do all the same things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes we have more training because we're constantly having to go to schools for promotion mm-hmm. or like people reclassing or, um, like just all these different things. I feel like there's so like, it's so much more than just one week in a month and two weeks out of the summer. And it truly is. And, um, like after finishing my one of the basic course, I really see like a, the active duty don't they don't really respect mm-hmm. as much as we go through like, and we got military side and we actually have to live in the civilian world and survive, which is they are in one they're one way all the time they're military Monday mm-hmm. through Friday twenty four hours a day. So mm-hmm. talking about how busy life can be in the guard. Um, what are some things that you do to kind of balance out that work and self-care aspect of life? It was a little bit easier before, like, officer school and going warrant. It was, I felt like I had a little bit of control in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But literally, um, it's been, like, juggling the kids, the husband, and school. Um, It takes a lot of patience. You got to manage your time well because you want to have a social life you got to be a mom then you got to be a professional you got to be a soldier so it really just takes a lot of patience and organization management just managing yourself setting a schedule um I used to use my phone notes but now I actually bought a a planner and like literally is you got to write it down (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm a list person for sure. Yes. So when you enlisted, um, how was that being a cook enlisted? And then what made you want to go warrant officer? So let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When Mr. Evans came to me and said there was a warrant officer slot, I was literally five five months pregnant. Oh, wow. And I was like, this man is crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm not leaving my kids to go to officer school. So, but I really was thinking about um, getting out. Um, I was burnt out a little bit. Um, at that time, I've been in about nine, ten years when you're talking to me. And I worked so hard. I went from an MP unit, then I was at a trans unit. And then we didn't have a lot of leadership, good leadership in um, the food service world that I got a chance to reach out to. Like, I think i seen Chief Hayes probably maybe once or two times in my career before. So I didn't see warrants, mm-hmm. and I felt like I wanted to make a difference and be able to go out and visit the sites and listen to their problems, listen to their needs, and try to help in any way that I can. And as a sergeant, because I commissioned when I was a, a E5, I was like, I can do this. I got my master's degree in human resources management. I felt I want to give back. I want to set an example. I didn't want everybody to think, oh, I'm a cook, I'm burnt out, let's ETS. There's different avenues you can take. And with me having 10 years of um, 92 golf experience, I feel like I was in a good position to go warrant. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, We've preached so many times on this podcast, like the guard has so much to offer and don't let one little thing deter Mm -hmm. you from making a decision that you might regret later because I was an MP, like me and Kato were in the same unit and Um, I was, I didn't know anything about public affairs and that's something that I wanted to do like photography and all that kind of stuff. And then when I found out it was a job in the guard, I was like, sign me up. Mm -hmm. Like, so, um, it's awesome to hear other people's stories and like where they came from, because a lot of times when people enlist, like when I enlisted, I didn't sit down and look at all the MOSs that were available. Mm -hmm. I literally left my recruiter's office 
and he's like, go figure out like five top MOSs. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out of the parking lot and he called and he's like, do you want to be an MP? And I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. Like I knew some friends from high school that went through and they were MPs and I was like, sure. I didn't put any thought into it or like what I would be doing and how, how I would progress in the guard with that. But it definitely gave me a lot of great experiences, Mm -hmm. met a lot of great people that I still like talk to today. But it's nice to hear those stories um, from other people and especially with cooks because everybody, at least when I came in, it was like people didn't see it as an important MOS. And like with Joint Force headquarters, as far as I know, they don't have cooks because they cater food. But like when I was with the MPs and Cato, I don't know if you can contest to this, but like the cooks cooked. Mm-hmm. And so like the field or the units out in the field and stuff, they have cooks that cook, but like it's hard for them to navigate because it's not like you're in a unit of cooks. It's mm-hmm. like you're two or three people in a unit filled with infantry or MPs or engineers. And it's hard to mix that balance together because they don't see your job as something as serious as it really is. I mean, you guys are waking up before everybody to make sure they have breakfast and stuff. You're staying up late to cook dinner and everything. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's good to like see the background and hear the stories of actual people who have gone through that. I mean, I can't attest for other line units, but shout out to Sergeant Dean at the 132nd is all I got to say, because <laughs> yes. she definitely yes. takes care of us all the time. <laughs> that's exactly where I started. I started at 132, and um, that's where they taught me everything I know, and then I went to King Street. So, but yes, 132, the MPs, we cook, and it was like a serious thing. Everybody ate. It was like nobody was able to go off, um, leave the Army to go get lunch. Everybody ate, and... That's one of the units where I felt um, I felt more valued. Um, being in King Street was a little bit hard because we traveled a lot. So sometimes we catered and sometimes we cooked. And then we would cook at separate, different armories and just hopping just hopping mm-hmm. around. But a lot of times on the road, we would have food catered. And so. Yeah. Um, so where do you foresee your future now that you become a warrant officer? And, I mean, you're full-time. Do you do the same job full-time? I don't. Okay, so what do you do full-time? So full-time, I'm human resources. Okay. I work in HRO. So where do you foresee yourself going now that uh, you're still a chief, a warrant officer one, so obviously getting promoted and stuff, but, like, where do you see your career going down this path? So I definitely, like, a year from now, I want to be able to meet all my units, all my cooks, and um, I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to do with the field feeding company. This is going to be interesting. So that's um, definitely been the talk of the guard for yes, so a hot minute. I don't know where we're going to be five years from now, with, <laughs> but I know I, that's what I plan on doing, reaching out and being able to be that liaison between the unit cooks and the state food service manager. Okay. So do the cooks do any kind of, like, training together or like what's that aspect like you go to AT and you learn all the stuff but like as MPs or public affairs or infantry like throughout the year you do some kind of training do cooks have to do anything like that or do you guys collaborate together and like know each other even though you're in other units so yes and no I didn't know a lot of cooks I only knew the the cooks Mm -hmm. that I in my battalion um or in my brigade when we would get together and um do ATs and training like muter weekends, mm-hmm. but 
We do have times where Chief Hazel hosts a MKT class or um, have AFMIS classes, and we'll get together to have that type of training. And I think we, after seeing one of my units um, this past month, I'm like, yeah, we need a food safety class because <laughs> they were literally about to pour a 15-gallon pot of hot grits oh in a gosh. trash can. And I was like, yeah, I don't think, I don't advise of that right now. So, yeah, we, it's a lot of training okay. that we need. I mean, I definitely think that that's slept on a lot, that um, cooks kind of just get thrown out there, too, and it's straight up on-the-job training. Mm-hmm. They don't get the same kind of training that other MOSs might get. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to say we're cooking for 300 people, and then, like, my unit I just went to, they were saying it was about three, 400 people, so they cook. That's why we had a whole pot of 15-gallon mm. uh, pot of full of grits because not everybody came. And that, uh, not saying it hurts my feelings, but it hurts my feelings. Because yeah. I really woke up three, two, three mm-hmm. in the morning to make sure you had a hot meal prepared and then nobody comes. Just yeah. like a few people come and we have a bunch of food left over. So, um, so what advice would you give somebody who's uh, looking to join or maybe they're in a position where they are thinking about getting out, but maybe they don't know of other avenues for them to pursue. Like what advice would you give them um, if they were on the fence of staying in or re-enlisting? I would say persevere because I, when my first enlistment, I was going to get out (laughs) and then I got promoted (laughs) to a sergeant and then I stayed in, had a couple of babies and I was ready to get out on my second baby. And then like literally I was telling somebody one day, I'm getting out. Yeah, I just can't do this. I got two kids, and then a year and a half later, I was on my favorite, like, turning my favorite packet. So mm-hmm. I would just say persevere, and I had to do a lot to go warrant. It just wasn't easy. I had to do waivers for ALC. I had to retake the ASVAB to get my GT score up. Like, it wasn't just, here you go, mm-hmm. you can be a warrant now. So it's hard work, but I'll just say um, believe in yourself. Anything that you put your mind to, you can do it, because I would never think I would make war and I was just like so just I literally cried when I passed my last exam I was like oh my god I'm a war now so yeah did you get your master's uh before you went to what is it uh I guess the warrant officer I did I got my master's in March 2018 okay Mm. how many uh how many GT points did you have to get so I th- we need a 110 right. to be officer, and um, I think I had like a 90-something. But the last time I took it when I right. yeah. was in high school, so I was just like, oh, my gosh. But, um, there is a course on Fort Jackson, a two-week course you can take. I was like, okay, I took this when I was 17 in high school. I have a master's degree now. I better be able to get this <laughs> 110 GT score. So I just took it on the whim. I got some notes mm-hmm. from some friends, and they helped me out. I Googled how to – do long division because not every day I'm dividing. Oh yeah. Yeah. No calculators. All right. That fun no stuff. calculators. I loved math in high school, but like <laughs> taking a test and stuff, I just writing it out and having yeah. to show your work. It's like, I know the answer. Like, mm-hmm. why do I need to show you how I got there? But yeah, I had to retake the ASVAB too to be public affairs because I was a couple points off. So oh, okay. like, don't, don't uh, we, we say this all the time. Don't let those small roadblocks stop you because mm-hmm. Just because you don't have a high enough GT score or ASVAB score or just because you're maybe not passing height and weight or passing your PT test, like, if you want something, mm-hmm. you you can make it happen. 
And if you have the right mentors and the people who actually care, and like you said, Chief Evans just came up to you and was like, hey, you should be a warrant officer. Like, that could be all it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's worth putting in the work, like you said, doing the waivers and the process to get into the, the school and then to complete it, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment, too, because the Warren Officer Candidate School is so small. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like OCS where they have, I mean, hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> coming through. Like, mm-hmm. Warren Officer, I covered them. I went and t- uh, shot some video not too long ago, and there was like six people in the class. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not huge. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, you just never know, mm-hmm. like, where you're going to find that next opportunity. So, um, I know sometimes it's hard when you're trying to plan for certain things and like figuring out, should I stay or should I go? Like, Mm -hmm. am I going to get promoted? Should I go to school? But like, I don't know. Sometimes you just have to have that aha moment or like go through something and then be like, okay, this is like, this is a good decision. I need to pursue this. And I was just talking to one of my um, cooks in my, one of the units I'm over and he's like, oh, I need to lose the weight. I I can't pass tape. The, Mm-hmm. PT test, I'm with the ACFT. I'm like, you can do it. Like, I struggle with height and weight too. Like, I don't, I had to really, really get in shape. Like, you say you can't do it, but have you been drinking water? Have you attempted mm-hmm. to work out? You can do this. All you got to do is put your mind to it. Get up and go. Getting up, getting there, that's half the battle. So, absolutely. So, um, with the warrant officer path now, what does that look like for you with career progression? Because, like, certain MOSs, it's not like um, you have all these slots to get promoted. And, like, how does that work for your field? So, well, the slot I'm in, um, we're kind of – our system, we're, like, the best-kept secret. So we don't have to <laughs> We really say that about public affairs all the time, oh, but then no, someone comes in and they're like, no, we're the best-kept secret. Oh, no. <laughs> we're, we're really the best-kept secret. So um, – but yeah, so we kind of, I'll be one, you typically are one for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to put my packet in to get my CW2 um, in a few months because uh, my two years coming up in September. And then it'll be another four years, and then you'll be able to get, be eligible to get your CW3. And um, then. So it's not a slot thing. Okay, so it's just like an automatic after, well, not automatic, but like mm-hmm. after a certain period of time, you put in, you submit a packet and then you get promoted. It's not like for us where we have to find a slot to go in to get promoted type thing. No, and it's, it's when I went to my basic course, it was the active duty. I was like, oh my gosh, they got it. Cause they really got to find where they're going mm-hmm. and stuff. So, no. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, as, as long as you like, I mean, I don't see nothing to really. I'm not really sure what can really delay your packet, but as long as you're not flagged and everything's good, you're up to date with your schooling. Because mm-hmm. we have, we have the basic course, the advanced course, the senior course, and um, there even when I was in school, they were just talking about doing an intermediate course. So you want to oh add my another? Gosh, course. I know. So one for every grade, essentially. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's it. That's the hard thing too, like with getting promoted because like I know there has to be requirements and stuff, but when they put all these courses that you have to go through, like, I don't know, sometimes it's just like, it's hard to get through all of that because you finish, like for me, I finished BLC mm-hmm. and get promoted and it's like, okay, now you got to go to ALC. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> can I catch a break? Like, yeah. so, I mean, it, it does make it a little difficult for the guard because 
you are so used to, if you're not full-time, you're used to that one week in a month, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you have to add on another two to three weeks, depending on how, how long that course is to get to the next promotion and to keep going. And then it's like, once you get the one done, then it's like with, within a matter of like, it, it seems su- like a, such a short amount of time before you're going to the next course. So, I mean, that definitely is. Yeah. That's how I recommend writing, really writing your own career plan and, mm-hmm knowing what things you need to do throughout your military career and your civilian career as well, your family, what kind of goals you have, year one, three years, a five-year, ten-year goal, where you want to be at. Did you have any, like, really good mentors uh, to help you out along the way? Oh, my gosh. Like, I had so many. Um, like, the whole WIN community, like, um, my first commander – that I'm not gonna say my first. I did have others, but she's the first one that mattered. <laughs> Major Ashley Young, um, she mentored me so much. I mean, it was things. It was times she could have like counseled me, gave me paperwork, but she sat there and talked to me, and I was just like, "Oh, well, that makes sense, man." Like she helped that a lot. And then when I started working here, um, I originally started in HRO, and Sergeant Major Helen Davis, she was. I'm her goddaughter, so, <laughs> yeah, and and just with my running group, like, because I didn't think I was going to be able to be fit enough to even right. try to go war- um, warrant officer or traditional officer, so, like, Major White and Sergeant Penn, oh, Sergeant Price, when everyone's <laughs> all the miles, like, I don't see how he would run 15 miles and then he'll come run two with me and I'm like dying I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> he's I like, feel like I've seen you got like it's been a while but I feel like I rem- was he the one that would wear the the PT mm, vest yes. yeah I was I'm like sure. gosh uh-uh, I can't do that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's too much <laughs> yeah. I was just curious because whenever we had uh Lisa on here the other day she was talking about how it was important to surround yourself mm-hmm. with basically like who you want to become and that was just like a mental thing for me. And I'm just curious about. No, I absolutely, because I used to try to get some of my friends like, no, you run with all them officers. Like, no. <laughs> so, like, pe- being around people like um, Chief Hayes and um, Major Young, Major White, like, all these good people, they they were good to me. And I see being around them, like, yeah, that's the military. That's the person I want to be to somebody else in right. the future. So, um, Yeah, no, that uh, – <laughs> They always say surround yourself with at least five people that mm-hmm. are either they have they've reached goals that you want to reach to where they can mentor you or they are just that well-rounded person that you can look up to because it pushes you more to want to achieve those goals versus just showing up to drill, sitting around and just checking off the boxes like mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. I think that's awesome. Is there anything else that you want to uh, share or add before we close out or any advice for anybody listening? Um, I would just like to say, don't give up on yourself. Like, you can do anything you put your mind to. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming out and talking with us. Um, hopefully, we'll have you come back at some point and talk about something else. But Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And we will catch you guys in the next episode.